Good morning, Long Islanders, and anyone who's listening from beyond here. You're listening to Morning Wake Up Call on 88.7 FM, Radio Hofstra University. This is, of course, the show where we talk about local, national, and international news. I'm Sybil Rateau, here with my co-host, Ryan Pagano, and our amazing reporter, Priya. It's actually our first time doing Morning Wake Up Call together. Um, It's currently below 30 degrees outside. It's extremely cold, but one thing that warms my heart is that I get to be here doing morning wake-up call with you guys. So how are you guys doing this morning? Um, Ryan, let's start with you. Well, I'm doing great. Try not to freeze, at least in this cold weather, but hey, it's getting warmer outside, so that's always something to look forward to for sure. But otherwise, I mean, I had a great weekend, um, great start to the week so far, and I hope uh, you felt the same way, Seville. Yeah, I mean, this week has been pretty good so far, which I'm pretty grateful to say. Priya, are you in the same boat as us? How's your week been? Uh, It's actually, I've been pretty good. I've been on top of things so far, and this morning I was walking here with most of the snow melting, and I'm seeing all the tulips planted, so I'm getting excited for the spring and for, like Ryan said, the warm weather to come. And, of course, I'm already ready for spring break, but taking it one day at a time. Honestly, me too. And it's only week two. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can only really do so much, at least at this point in the semester with everything still seemingly beginning and all. I feel like it's we're already in like week five. (laughs) Honestly, but you know what? Hopefully the semester only gets easier from here. Um, We have some pretty interesting stories lined up for today, I'd say. We're talking about Spotify, the New Jersey mask mandates and the controversy surrounding the super popular show, Euphoria. So I guess we could start with the first one. Um, So Canadian-American singer Neil Young is urging Spotify workers to quit. Young recently pulled all his music from the app in protest of podcaster and anti-vaxxer Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is currently under heat for promoting anti-vaccine misinformation. He also used racial slurs on his show multiple times. However, Rogan has recently apologized. Neil Young is not the only artist to pull his music from the app, though. But there have been a few public figures who have defended Rogan, such as Andrew Yang, who recently came under fire after claiming in a tweet that Rogan cannot be racist because, quote, the man interacts with and works with black people literally all the time, end quote. Yang has since apologized for the tweet after receiving backlash. Um, I want to mention that the CEO of Spotify has addressed um, Rogan's usage of racial slurs, but he basically said, listen, we don't support that at Spotify, but we're not going to silence him. So, Ryan, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on either Young pulling his music from Spotify or just like Joe Rogan in general? Well, first off, I should probably mention that I am an avid Spotify user, so I may be a little bit biased here, but I'm going to try to push all of that aside, (laughs) at least for the sake of this discussion. So at least when you look at the issue at hand, I don't really blame Young that much for making the decision to pull his music off the platform. I mean, there's been plenty of controversy surrounding Joe Rogan for at least a couple years now, I would think. And, I mean, this isn't really something where it'll just resolve itself in a day or two and everything else will be well. It's definitely going to be something that it's going to drag on for quite a while. Because you got to take into account as well, Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, pulls in very, very high ratings. 
on Spotify. And by that, I mean like 11 million people or 11 million listeners, excuse me, per episode, which is much more than any other radio or TV program out there. I mean, the next highest ratings, I believe, is Fox News' Tucker Carlson Tonight. Uh, That show pulls in a a little over 3 million people per episode, just for a quick comparison. So that's over three times that amount, which is insane to think about. Yeah, I mean, Spotify is such a prevalent app, first of all. So, you know, Neil Young did, like, say to you know made a general statement to artists saying hey if like if you're with me like try putting your music on a different app the thing is i don't know that this artist who i have never heard of in my life i don't know about you but i have never heard of him in my life i don't know if he's making as big of an impact as he thinks he is but like power to him i guess i'm definitely in support of like this um you know I don't want to be on the same platform as someone who promotes anti-vaccine misinformation. But I'm not sure that, I mean, I'm hoping that his career doesn't like have a negative impact from that because I'm willing to guess that Joe Rogan is one of the most popular podcasters. As for as for um, his usage of the N-word, honestly, at this point, I feel like I've become like desensitized to celebrities, like finding out that celebrities use the N-word. At this point, I'm just like, I mean, that sucks. Um, but it's so normalized and I'm not really surprised. My only thing is that maybe they should have like taken away his platform when he said it all those years ago. Um, but I mean... What else is there to say? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it definitely would have been better at least to take that course of action then rather than, say, now. And, yeah, I mean, it's not really surprising to see more controversy surrounding Joe Rogan. I mean, just a couple months back, he was recently making national, probably borderline international headlines for um, his treatment of COVID-19, which... Um, yeah, and he, he recovered getting, from it in like two days. Yeah, he. I was about to say like he got COVID nineteen, which is interesting and extremely ironic. But I do want to know what you think about um, because I'm assuming we both support free speech. But do you think that Spotify is right to keep his show on their app, or do you think that they should have taken it down when Neil Young, for example, was like, "It's him or me." Oh, that's honestly a very tough question. I mean, when you look at it from a business perspective, the decision definitely seems easy to support Joe Rogan. I mean, he's I mean, I would probably make a fair argument that he is carrying Spotify right now, especially with his listenership per mm-hmm. episode. I would definitely make a good argument for that. But when you look at it from a moral standpoint, that's when you really question why is his platform still on Spotify to begin with, given all of his recent controversies as of late. I mean, there's definitely a fair amount of backlash to having his podcast up there and also a lot of backlash, not to mention to backing Joe Rogan as well. That's what uh, Spotify CEO Daniel Ek, um, that's pretty much what he said when it came to apologizing for Rogan's usage of the n-word in the past he has removed episodes of the joe rogan experience over this 
But during his apology speech, he also backed Rogan as well. So, I mean, that's not really something that I can necessarily agree upon, but you definitely can't help but wonder how this is going to affect Spotify as a platform in the future, especially with a lot of other competition as well. You got platforms like Apple Music, SoundCloud, even Pandora. Yeah. I mean, they're making a noticeable dent into Spotify's market, so to speak. Yeah, I think so too. We might see like a rise in like Apple Music um, users, but I don't know. I mean, I think we'd have to have a pretty big artist remove their music, like Drake or Beyonce or something, or Megan Thee Stallion. I don't know. But I mean, in terms of like whether or not Sp- Spotify should have silenced Joe Rogan, I mean, it's one thing to have controversial opinions. Um, I definitely don't, outside of the racial slurs and the, and the, the anti-vaxxer propaganda, like, I don't think that I support his views. I've never listened to a full podcast, but I have, like, heard bits of it, and I'm like, this definitely isn't someone who I would have listened to, but at, this isn't just, like, controversial opinions. These are opinions that he's... He's a very influential person in saying that you shouldn't get the vaccine. Despite his even getting COVID, he's causing his fan base to to not get the vaccine. And that's impacting their health. It's going to have an impact on our general COVID numbers, considering how big of a celebrity he is. So, I mean, I I do think that people should have free speech, but I think that Social media has its own guidelines and Spotify should have its own guidelines in what people can say if it impacts like the general public and the decisions they make regarding their health, especially, especially during the pandemic. Oh, definitely. And it's sort of like this unwritten rule, if you will, that you got to watch what exactly you put on the platform as well, especially because we are in still in the middle of one of the deadliest global pandemics we have ever been through. And granted, the case numbers are starting to go down a little bit. I mean, we've seen Omicron cases continue to decrease. But then again, I feel like it's sort of just a loop. Like the case numbers go down. People will start to become more lenient because of any potential vaccine misinformation or really any pandemic misinformation at that and then next thing you know, we see the cases skyrocket, and it's we pretty much just got to go through this cycle all over again. It's just really tiring uh, to see after a while. And, I mean, if you're Spotify and if you're Daniel Leck, I mean, you really got to take more action at this point because I don't really think that necessarily silencing a couple of Joe Rogan's episodes is necessarily going to be the answer. I mean, it'll be good for the short term, don't get me wrong. But as for the long term, not really so much, I would say. And one thing that I'm definitely interested in seeing as well, as you mentioned earlier, Sibyl, is whether or not we're going to see any major artists pull their music off the platform as well in protest. I mean, Neil Young, I'll be honest, I don't really know that much about his music either. I mean... um, Great rocker, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't really say yeah. I know that much about him. I mean, that's not really something that's going to necessarily make international headlines. I mean, if somebody like Drake 
or even Megan Thee Stallion did it, then that'd be a completely different story altogether. I mean, they've pretty much been ingrained in pop culture in the present day. And that's definitely something that's going to have a much bigger impact on society as we know it. Exactly. I also think how interesting it is how many um, political figures are putting in their two cents in this whole Spotify controversy. Um, yeah, Donald like, Trump just Yeah, did. Donald Trump was saying that Rogan shouldn't apologize. Andrew Yang, like I said, when I was, you know, talking about the overall story, I mean, he he tweeted you know, for anyone who missed it, I don't think Joe Rogan is racist. The man interacts with and works with black people literally all the time. That's a direct quote. And people got upset. I mean, I think that that reasoning is interesting. It's very much giving I can't be racist because I have black friends. Um, but I mean, this I, I guess that just goes to show how big of an impact Joe Rogan's show has that so many so many um, not only celebrities, but political figures feel that it's it's their, um, I guess, place. It's their place to, like, put in their opinion and say whether or not he should apologize or be sorry or, or defend him and whether or not he's racist. I mean, other celebrities have, like, uh, they have sort of gone on the side of most people in not supporting Joe Rogan, but even like The Rock, he initially had a statement supporting um, Joe Rogan. I think he, I think he like you know went back on that and decided not to support him or issued an apology or something. But it's just very crazy. Yeah, I mean it's sort of because of the wrestling connection there. I mean Joe Rogan for a lot of you who don't really know him outside of his podcast, he's very memorable for his work with UFC as well. So that's definitely. Another reason why he's become a household name, not necessarily just the controversy, even though that's mainly taken the forefront at this point in time. Yeah, I actually didn't know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we can go to our next story unless you have any other final thoughts, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I'll chip in my two cents here while I'm at <laughs> it. Um, I mean, I can't really agree with him regarding any vaccine misinformation or any racist views at all whatsoever. I mean... I stated in the previous episode that, you know, I'm a big supporter of free speech. Anything that gets into the way of that is not really something that I'm interested in. But I definitely should have specified that it's to an extent. I mean, like I was saying with the unwritten rules earlier, um, really to an extent, you can only go so far regarding that. Um, what I will shed a positive light on him, though, is that he does seem to be very authentic and honest to the listeners when it comes to his podcasts, I mean, that's definitely something that I'm trying to strive for myself, uh, trying to be Joe Rogan, but not be Joe Rogan, if you get what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> you want to have the the notability. Exactly. What you're like, you want to have the authenticity, but, but at the not same the time, not necessarily spreading any <laughs> misinformation or anything like that. And I will also bring up... Um, one of his more common guests on the podcast as well as a psychology professor uh, slash YouTuber, Jordan Peterson. And, I mean, he has pretty much believed the show has become very popular for the same reasons. In fact, he recently tweeted uh, regarding uh, Joe Rogan's podcast numbers, quote, that's because he doesn't lie or talk down to his audience 
or manipulate his own narrow advantage. Go at Joe Rogan. See you in three weeks in Austin. So, I mean, he definitely knows for sure that Joe, the Joe Rogan experience is raking in the numbers by far. But it's definitely something that I'm going to keep my eye on moving forward. How exactly that this controversy surrounding Neil Young and Spotify is going to unfold. I feel like it's a little too early to tell how exactly this is going to go. But especially from a moral perspective, you can't really help but think, how is this going to affect Spotify's listenership in the future? And really, if there's going to be any more big-name musicians that are planning on pulling their music off the platform. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. (laughs) Well, definitely. And, And I feel like this is sort of a theme in a way, waiting and seeing, because I feel like this would tie perfectly into the second story, another perfect example of, well, we'll just have to wait and see. So for those of you who may not be aware, New Jersey's Governor Phil Murphy is putting an end to the mask mandates in schools. And this is going to be the first time since the start of the pandemic that New Jersey school districts will be able to allow teachers and students the option to not wear masks while at school. And the lift of this mask mandate is set to take effect next month. And keep in mind, just for some quick context, an average of 78 New Jersey residents died each day from COVID-19 throughout the last week. But yet new cases of the Omicron variant, as we mentioned earlier within the first story, they are continuing to plummet as well. So, I mean, seeing... Seeing this as sort of a surprise in a way, I'm definitely curious to hear uh, your take on this, Sibyl, and how exactly this is going to affect the schools for the short-term future. Yeah, I mean, as a native New Jerseyan, New Jerseyer, whatever it is. New Jerseyan. I do have my thoughts on this because it, I mean, it's very interesting to see that by the time that the school mask mandate is lifted, that it will have been pretty much exactly um, two years since COVID started, you know, March 2020 will always be an infamous time (laughs) that we think about. But I don't, I mean, I don't know how seriously um, students were taking the mask mandates in the first place. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that this doesn't take like too much, that this doesn't take too much of a toll on like the country's um, COVID cases. I feel like I am surprised that Phil Murphy is like supporting this because he has been someone who has been a a, a promoter of the mask mandate. Um, I don't know. I'm just hoping that this doesn't like impact because it's not just the kids. It's the kids when they go back to their families, they could pass COVID then their families could pass it to their coworkers. And so I'm scared to see, especially since New Jersey is an epicenter or not is, was an epicenter at the beginning of the pandemic for a, for a lot of COVID cases. So I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, definitely. I mean, at least when seeing this unfold, you just can't help but remember that New Jersey and really the rest of the tri-state area just a couple months back they were epicenters of the Omicron variant as well and I mean as I mentioned before we've seen this movie play out oh so many times before and as I said it's too way too exhausting to deal with especially because 
I mean, we've all been personally affected by COVID-19 in some way. I mean, myself, March 2020, as you said, was a very peculiar time, at least in our lives. I mean, I was a senior back in high school on March 13th, 2020. Mm -hmm. I left um, during sixth period that day because I didn't have another class then. But, you know, little did I know that that was going to be my last ever time setting foot in my high school for a class. And yeah. I mean, it's it's something that I'm still pretty salty about to this day where my senior experience or the true senior experience, I should say, like with the graduation, prom and all that, that definitely got robbed. I mean, mm-hmm. the only positive spin I could put on that is that we got a graduation at the beach. So that's really the only good thing about it. But yeah. I mean, point being, we've all been personally affected by COVID-19 it's definitely not something that's going away anytime soon. And at least seeing what New Jersey is doing regarding the mask mandates within schools and all, I mean, it just seems more convincing as the days pass that a lot of states are starting to treat this as sort of more of an everyday life type of thing. Like they pretty much just accepted that COVID-19 is just going to be a part of our everyday lives going forward. It's not just New Jersey as well, but there's also been a lot of rumors going around. I don't know if you've uh, picked up on this early this morning, Sybil, but apparently there are rumors going around. I don't know if it's confirmed yet that Kathy Hochul might be ending the mask mandate in New York. Again, it's unconfirmed. As of right now, saw that on my newsfeed this morning. But I mean, it's definitely an interesting precedent that could be followed. And I'm definitely curious to hear what you think regarding that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I definitely feel like we're at a point where we're possibly a little too comfortable with the pandemic. I mean, I I am not at that point, but I understand how, like, as a country, we're sick of constantly talking about COVID. We're sick of constantly thinking about COVID. But just because this mask mandate is being lifted and just because a political figure is the one who is supporting this doesn't mean that there's any less numbers of covid i mean we are we're down to we're down to 78 deaths um per day of covid in in new jersey you know over the past week that's a lot that's not like that's it's not like as huge i think as maybe a year ago but these are people like real people dying they're not just numbers and i think that that needs to be considered I'm glad to see that Omicron um, numbers are lowering because I don't know about you, but around Christmas time, I was panicking because it felt like we were going through March 2020 all over again, where it was uncertain of whether we were going to go into another lockdown, uncertain of how many deaths we would see again, if like the states would close, if we would be able to travel. So we just witnessed that we just saw how possible it is that we could go completely backwards in all the progress that we've been making making with covid and yet just when numbers are starting to lower the mask mandate is being taken away so what impact is that going to have are we going to go backwards again especially since new jersey is 
such a huge state. I mean, not huge in, in size, but when our numbers go up, it's likely that other states' numbers will go up because we're right next to New York. Oh, definitely. Um, it's huge COVID cases-wise, at least. Yeah. So, I don't know. And kids are already so... I, I mean, I love kids, but yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of germs and they have interesting ways of spreading germs. Um, and a lot of kids aren't even vaccinated. I mean, I think it's mostly adults at this point who are vaccinated because a lot of um, a lot of kids only just got the ability to be vaccinated because, it, you know, it wasn't too long ago that it was just 16 and over yeah, that could exactly. get the vaccine. I and know Pfizer, uh, they recently or I, I mean, I don't really I kind of forgot at this point when they introduced it. But <laughs> point being Pfizer, they introduced a vaccine for kids, I believe, five to 11. It was. So, I mean, we're already starting to see big pharmaceuticals trying to, I wouldn't really say market the vaccine to kids, but basically persuade them that, you know, taking vaccines would be the right answer for them. Yeah, I mean, these booster shots better be required because even if kids got that first vaccine dose, if they got it when they like just when they were able to, the vaccine has probably lost most of its effect. Um, so I'm hoping that if they're if they don't have to wear masks, that they're required to um, have the booster shot. I am hoping that maybe I mean, this is overly optimistic given like the history of the past two years. But I'm hoping that maybe by March when, you know, this lift of um, mask mandates will take place. Hopefully by then we're at a point where we're more sure of where the pandemic is going. Hopefully we don't have some new variant with some creepy name um, come up that's going to like throw us backwards. And uh, hopefully, I mean, we've already seen headlines with the uh, quote Delta Cron variant Ugh. combination of um, the Delta variant and Super the ugly. variant. <laughs> Easily the last thing you would want to hear in the news, given what we've already been through for the past two years. And really what we're already still going through at this exact moment in time. I mean, honestly, I feel like we're in like this dystopian, like, um, like the dystopian novels I would read when I was like a kid. Um, it's, it's scary how much I feel like I can relate to that with these variant names and just the overall pandemic. It's, crazy to think that three years ago we could have never even fathomed how big of an impact impact this would have had on like our everyday lives i mean the pandemic is an everyday thing it's a thing you have to think about multiple times a day depending on where you're going and who you're with and what your plans are for the weekend and stuff like that so i don't know i mean i don't even know if i see an end to it which is why i'm like if we don't see an end to it, like how, I don't know how much longer the country can like go as they're going, but we have the most, like we have insane COVID rates compared to other um, wealthy, like, you know, equally wealthy countries, which has a lot to say, but that means that it's not just about like the pandemic. It is something the U.S. is doing wrong. So when you think about that, why are we lifting the school mandates? Yeah, exactly. And at least compared to a lot of other countries that have had, I mean, shall I call it, little stricter mandates, so to speak. I mean, you just can't really help but think 
where did the U.S. go wrong for a lot of this? And I mean, I'll ta- I'll use Canada as a quick example here, but I mean, I'm I mean, personally, I'm a big hockey fan myself, and a lot of the teams in Canada, I think all the teams probably, they are um, enforcing uh, attendance limits to try and help uh, mitigate the spread of COVID nineteen. I mean, um, I mean, the Islanders. I know they're going to be in Vancouver later tonight at 10.30. And I believe Vancouver, if I remember correctly, I believe they do have an attendance limit or something like that. I know that cross-border travel between Canada and the United States is still very strict. I believe they still have the ruling where you need to quarantine for, I believe, two weeks uh, once you come back uh, from crossing the Canadian border and all that but i mean it definitely goes to show that some countries are taking this a lot more seriously than others i mean that's not to say that the u.s isn't taking this seriously i mean they're definitely taking a lot of strides to say or to basically send a message that COVID 19 it's still very serious even though we're two years into it but unfortunately it's not that we're just necessarily seeing it with a lot of rulings regarding the mask mandates, especially in schools as well, um, particularly in New Jersey. And it's just a pretty interesting contrast when you see institutions and schools uh, such as Hofstra mandating booster shots and also only surgical KN95 or N95 masks are the only masks that are going to be permitted in the buildings for the time being. But yet you have a lot of these institutions making those rulings. And then you have schools in New Jersey that are just completely doing exactly the opposite and making masks more of an optional thing. Yeah, And it's just a dangerous precedent all around, just like with Joe Rogan and Spotify as well. Only that it's, well, I would definitely still say it's a danger to public health, uh, at least yeah. when you compare both of those stories. But, yeah, you know, the last time we've had an elimination of mask mandates, it's gone really well. Totally being sarcastic here. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like considering that. I was like, has it though? Um, but I think part of the issue is that we have these mandates, but they aren't well regu- regulated. Um, like you'll, you have to wear a mask, but I'm like, I'm going to admit at Hofstra, we do have to wear masks. We have to wear KN95 masks, but in my classes, I think I'm probably the only person who wears, um, the right mask. And then we have to wear masks when we're in class. But as soon as you get outside, you don't have to necessarily because no one's going to tell you to put your mask on outside. So it's like we have these rules, but I don't know how well they're working, which is another reason why I'm not like super outraged by New Jersey's decision to lift the mask mandates in school. Because I see like these TikToks that um, high schoolers are making and I see a lot of them in their schools without masks. And I, I see people on social media and they're taking pictures at school without masks. And it's like, yeah, we, they might be keeping it when they're like taking a test or physically in class. But there isn't less COVID when you like take your camera out or when you're eating lunch. So it's like this, the germs are going to be circulated either way. 
Um, so I think that as long as we're like going back to normal with like more in-person stuff, like it's normal now to go to the grocery store. It's even normal to throw like a party even. So COVID doesn't make exceptions. So it's not like if, if you're wearing a mask in school, you're likely not wearing a mask somewhere else which is why I don't support I don't support the mask mandate being lifted but I do I'm not fully outraged because I don't know that it's going to have like too big of an impact um in the covid numbers it is going to have an impact but not like an insanely large one that it might have had in um you know 2020 Oh definitely and it's not really much of a question as to how much of an impact it's going to have regarding the case numbers what I'm also also interested in seeing as well is how this is going to affect the education experience because, I mean, the first thing I think of when pondering the question, how is the lifting of this mask mandate going to affect kids and their education experience, I can't help but think of my alma mater, Massapequa. I mean, their school district, uh, they made a lot of headlines for lifting uh, their mask mandates, making it more of an optional thing and i believe that only that was really only a policy for like a day i believe because governor kathy hochel she threatened to pull all funding uh from the school district if they didn't follow the state order because keep in mind it was still a new york state mandate at the time and not necessarily just a nassau county thing i know it's it's been a little bit different in nassau county now that we have the new county executive, Bruce Blakeman, and he's definitely made it very clear uh, regarding his stance on the masks. I mean, he has said time and time again that masks should be more of an optional thing. He has lifted a mask mandate for the time being for Nassau County residents, and I mean, I don't really think his opinion is going to be changing on it anytime soon, but I mean, definitely a question that I'm wondering at this point was, did Bruce Blakeman have any influence on um, Phil Murphy lifting a mask mandate? That's kind of what I'm more curious about at this point. Yeah, I'm wondering that too. Um, I guess it's just another thing, like the Rogan story. We're going to have to wait and see um, how big of an impact like that this is going to have. But I think we can move on to Priya's um, story. She's going to be talking about euphoria and the controversy surrounding it. I'm a huge fan of the show, so Priya, take it away. Yeah, hi guys, such interesting stories you guys just brought up, especially that, the one with the mask mandate, because I feel like, you know, that's never, it's always a topic of conversation that I feel like is never ending. But <laughs> <laughs> on to talking about euphoria. Well, first I'll actually introduce myself. Um, I'm Priya, I'm so glad to be on the show with you guys. I'm so happy to be here, especially maybe to add a different perspective as I'm from Seattle, a little bit farther away from amazing <laughs> Long Island. And yeah, I'm a junior studying journalism, so I'm super excited to be part of the show. So thank you guys for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of yeah, course, so welcome to have you on. Thank you. Yeah. So the story um, for today, like she said, is about the hit show Euphoria. I'm sure you guys have heard some of, about some of the buzz. So the hit teen drama Euphoria is back for its second season, and viewers have been buzzing over actress Zendaya's performance from the latest released episode, Stand Still Like the Hummingbird, along with some controversy over whether the HBO series glorifies drug use. Viewers ran to Twitter this Sunday after the episode aired, 
practically praising Zendaya for her dramatic and emotional performance, with many predicting another Emmy nomination and possible win for the actress. She defended the show and tried to remain optimistic for the troubled protagonist, Rue, in an interview with TMZ on January 26th. She states, I think if we can still care about her after this, then I hope that other people can extend that to non-fictional characters, to real people, or just be a little more understanding and empathetic over the experience of addiction and what it does to people and what it does to their families. The anti-drug education group came out with a statement last month slamming the show for supposedly glorifying drugs and warning against the risque series that misguidedly and erroneously depicted and normalized high school drug use. They state, It is unfortunate that HBO, social media, television program reviewers, and paid advertising have chosen to refer to the show as groundbreaking rather than recognizing the potential negative consequences on school age education who today face unparalleled risks and mental health challenges. Zendaya responded to the criticism in her interview that Euphoria isn't a moral tale. And that, if anything, it is to hopefully help people feel a little bit less alone with their experience and their pain. Nika King, playing the mother to Zendaya's character, Rue, states that Samuel Levinson, creator of Euphoria, thought it was important to explore and to be seen. According to a 2019 interview with Variety, Levinson says that Rue's journey actually mirrors his own growing up as he himself was a struggling drug addict. Zendaya's biggest hope for season two of Euphoria is that people are able to connect to it and those who need to heal and grow with Rue, hopefully by the end of the season, feel that hope and feel that change in her. So I think this is a super interesting story, especially for us and people our age, college students, because I know for me and all my roommates I live with, every Sunday, as soon as it hits nine o'clock, we are watching the show. And mm. then practically if you miss the show, like an hour later, all the sounds are on TikTok. Like it's always gonna. <laughs> if you don't watch the se- if you don't watch the episode, it's gonna be ruined for you if you go to Twitter or social media. Right. Yeah. So I just think it's such a prevalent story right now since everyone's watching it. What about you guys? Do you watch the show? I mean, I am such a huge fan of Euphoria. I waited patiently from the first season came out, and I'm pretty sure July 2019. I waited patiently until. January of this year for the, for the show to come out and I do understand the concern that this show could you know to a young impressionable audience make drug addiction look euphoric and look um glamorous but this show isn't for children Zendaya put out a statement herself that I mean for people who don't watch the show there is a lot of straight up nudity there's a lot of Um, mature topics at hand. There's a lot of profanity. So this isn't a show for kids. If you're, yes, the show has a lot of pretty colors and yes, the music, the soundtrack is amazing. But if you're, if you're seeing that and saying, oh, because of this, um, I want to start doing these hard drugs and maybe addiction isn't so bad. If you're saying that, then you're probably too young to be watching the show. And it's up to parents to sort of control what their kids are watching. I'm hoping that no person is like no young. I mean, I'm sure they do have younger viewers, but I mean, that's an issue with the parents and what they're allowing their kids to watch. Um, I know that you don't necessarily watch the show, Ryan, but I mean, 
Euphoria is such a huge show. I'm sure you have some thoughts on it from an outside perspective. Yeah, I mean, geez. I, I feel like the lone person out of this trio right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've, I'll be completely honest. I've, I've never seen Euphoria before. I mean, uh, it's on HBO Max, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like wondering what... Since you've never watched it, I mean, maybe I'm under this spell where because it's so amazing, I don't <laughs> yeah. see how problematic it is. So, yeah. like, what are your thoughts? Because um, I'm sure having you've not watched it. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard mean. about it. Yes. So. Yeah. And I, I watched a little bit of the show, um, at least uh, prepping for this to sort of get an idea of what exactly the show was about, especially for somebody who has completely no knowledge of it beforehand. And I will say, after watching a little bit of it, I really appreciate the effort that goes into writing and acting. I think that it could definitely be the gold standard uh, for years to come. And, you know, Sam Levinson and the rest of his crew, they've done an incredible job with bringing the show prominency. I'm a little biased towards Sam Levinson, I will say. His father, <laughs> Barry, uh, for those of you who don't know, was also a movie director as well. He was actually the director of Good Morning Vietnam, personally one of my favorite movies of all time, okay. mainly because of the broadcast aspect of it. <laughs> I mean, I remembered watching that in my 10th grade broadcasting class, and I pretty much fell in love with it ever since. So I'm a little bit biased there. And also in particular, Zendaya and also Sydney Sweeney, I definitely believe they deserve Oscars for their performances oh, totally. during this definitely. season. A little biased there, but <laughs> all praise aside, I could definitely see why Euphoria is garnering so much controversy over this portrayal of drug use. And th this is especially because drug ep epidemics, they're still present today. I mean, it's not that long ago where we were in the opioid crisis. I know that was making a lot of headlines here on Long Island in particular. I mean, there was a really bad crisis mm -hmm. going on with that. And you also got to look at the mental health aspect of it as well. I mean, it's definitely at one of the lowest points in recent memory because of a global pandemic and a lot of other factors as well. So, I mean, that's definitely not really helping, I would say. But going to what you were saying earlier, uh, Seville, I mean, um, it, it definitely goes to show that, you know, parents, they should definitely try to monitor a little more what exactly their children are watching. Because it's not like you could just throw them on an iPad Given them, give them an iPad and really call it a day. That's not effective parenting yeah. whatsoever. I mean, it's you just aren't able to do that. That's not how you develop a young child like that. And, I mean, it's heavily different for me, of course, because I never grew up with the iPads and stuff like that, say, at yeah. five years old. So it was definitely different for me. But, I mean, it's definitely something that I'm really worried about that, you know, ha having this lack of parenting, so to speak, isn't necessarily going to be good for the kids. And, I mean, this isn't to say that um, Euphoria should be off the air. It's a heck of a show. And I would <laughs> definitely recommend it, at least from my limited experience watching it. Yeah. But, I mean, you definitely can't help but see the controversy surrounding it. And, I mean, definitely parental guidance should be taken if kids want to watch the show, not saying they should, especially because <laughs> yeah, it portrays a lot of teen issues. Yeah, I don't think even parental guidance is enough because there's only so much that like a young developing mind can take if they're watching that show. But my thing is that, um, yes, the aesthetic is very unique and it does 
make the show that's what makes the show appealing but just when you're falling in love with the aesthetic and the music they are going to show a scene that makes you if you were even considering falling into this lifestyle it's going to become immediately unattractive exactly especially in this I latest mean, episode yeah i'm not going to talk too much about it because <laughs> <laughs> i was because gonna I don't wanna, get your thoughts yeah i mean i'm not going to say too much about you know what exactly happened in case we happen to have any listeners who haven't watched it yet but there is you know you can see the consequences that even a teen might have if they fall into the lifestyle of using drugs you can see how like things can escalate, how it can affect your personal life, your relationships, your family um, relationships and romantic relationships. So I don't know, like even if a teenager is watching it, I don't think that they're going to necessarily suddenly become obsessed. Totally. I also think that it's interesting though that this is a show for mature audiences. So I'm pretty sure that means that it's recommended that people 17 and up watch the show. So it is interesting to see that this is that you want people who are mostly out of high school mm-hmm. to watch this show, but it's a show about high school teens. That's <laughs> yeah. where that's where I'm kind of like iffy on it because it's like um I mean, I saw this one TikTok where it was like like it's kind of weird how this is mostly adults watching it and like we're watching these teens struggle with their sex lives and with (laughs) drugs and stuff like that. So I don't know, but the thing is with a show like that, it kind of has to take place in high school because if they're adults, it kind of just becomes, it would, it would be a completely different story Exactly, and it would be a different kind of sad um that maybe wouldn't be as attractive and as you said well i think the show does a great job like in the beginning i'm sure before every episode starts almost pretty sure it's every episode um they give a warning so i think they do a good job at showing or warning their audience so to say Mm -hmm. um that warning them of the content and how you talked about they may have a couple scenes where it could like with the music and the colors glorify some aspects of drug use but on the flip side it will it'll follow a scene and i think they use there's more there's more scenes i'd say where it shows the consequences of that drug use and they do a good job at showing the real life effects that it has and it really like for me i love watching the show because there's such a contrast and especially zendaya as we talked about her latest performance like in this episode it's so dramatic and intense and i recently read an article that's of why they chose her because she's such as a person incredibly grounded Mm -hmm. um and you wouldn't you wouldn't suspect her to play that character rue but she does a great job at kind of showing the really like about having the, an empathetic side really having an empathetic side to rue yeah. oh yeah that's you're, you're gonna need it it's just it's it's tough watching her go through this i mean exactly. she's definitely gonna get an emmy nomination especially mm-hmm. based off of the last episode even if you don't watch the show i'm sure that like you've seen people talking about how this last episode especially is going to get her a nomination but um you know even though i'm not sure that it'll get people into um, being interested in her lifestyle, it might be triggering for people who are already drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I, 
I I do think that people should give the show a chance before having an opinion on it. Um, and I think that maybe you should check yourself if you're if you if like you find the show appealing in terms of you know the drug addict lifestyle um maybe that's like a personal issue that oh, yeah. <laughs> you need to address within yourself if that's the case but um parents if just make sure your kids aren't watching it i know it's hard for maybe millennial parents to um control what their kids watch especially with like what you were saying about the ipad i mean they have so much accessible to them they, I think with TikTok too. Yeah, like, the like sounds are everywhere. So even if yeah, even if they don't know of the show, they're gonna know about it from TikTok because I feel like TikTok in a way glorifies. Yeah. The yeah, show. I just feel like it would only be a matter of time before they find that out. I mean, especially with TikTok, I don't really think they have any parenting filters. If no, I they correctly. don't. I don't believe they do. I know YouTube has their YouTube Kids service and all that. But, I mean, yeah. then again, that can only do so much. I mean, TikTok is, for our audience, I'm putting this in quotation marks, for kids 13 and up, it's definitely not the case. I'm sure there are kids as young as, like, six years old on that app. Yeah, we're still seeing but, a lot of fifth graders on the app. Yeah. This isn't to bash sure. fifth graders or anything like that. We love you. <laughs> it was TikTok that made me actually watch Euphoria. Really? Because I never watched the first season, no, when it came out, and then it blew up on TikTok, like, you know, the sounds of Maddie, Cassie, and just the famous songs because the music is so incredible. And so with all that happening on TikTok and the, all the buzz about season two coming out over the break, I actually, I binged season one so I could be ready for season two. And then I completely fell in love with it. Because like you said, Ryan, Sam does an incredible job with the creation of the show. I mean, the writing is incredible. I'm just every episode. I'm mm-hmm. just in awe. I think they do an incredible job. I, I personally, I love it. <laughs> oh, definitely. And I mean, I'm not really much of a TV person myself. Like I've had a lot of trouble these past few years trying to get into like an actual series to binge watch and all that. But you know, really, the one thing that I always love to look for when it comes to that is. Definitely the writing and also the acting to an extent. I mean, particularly the writing is definitely something I would stress a lot more because, look, you can have the best actors mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. but does it really matter if the writing is subpar? I mean, no. point being, you got to have good writing yeah. when it comes to that. I mean, that's yeah. that's what makes or breaks a show. That's And that's definitely something I firmly believe in. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but thank you so much yeah. for that report. <laughs> it was honestly really great. Um, and I'm glad we got to talk about euphoria. Yeah, I never get tired of talking I'm about this I'm waiting for show. next episode, Sunday at 9 o'clock. Me too. Sundays are euphoria yeah. day. Yep. Um, forget <laughs> the Super have Bowl. To, yeah, am I going to have to make this the day where I uh, subscribe to HBO <laughs> Max? Yep, yes. I might very well have to at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you so much for that report. Um, Ryan, do you want to take us into our last story? Yeah, so it looks like we're going to have a little bit of time for... One last story for today. So this past Monday, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of keeping a congressional map drawn by Alabama Republicans, which overrides a lower court's ruling that said map would likely violate the Voting Rights Act, since this particular map would reduce the political power that black voters have. Now, the lower court, they originally ordered for a new map to be drawn, which 
would have allowed Democrats to gain another seat in the House this upcoming fall. And it's definitely also important, especially with the primary elections seemingly right around the corner. I know it's not until the fall, but I mean, at this point, early February, I feel like it's only going to be a matter of time before we suddenly see that come up. So, Sabil, I'm definitely curious to hear uh, what you think of this, especially with this election in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, primary elections are coming up. Um, I mean, not coming up so too soon, but like it's unfortunate to see how many measures are taking place to um, make it harder for black voters and voters of color to um, to vote and like have their voices heard, especially like I think a lot of it has to do with the rumors that this election would be rigged um, because there were so many like vote in um, ballots. Did I say that right? Vote in whatever it's called. Yeah, mail-in ballots? Mail-in ballots, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, good. But yeah, I think that that's a lot of the reason why they're like all these measures being taken because it's like, uh oh, we can't have too many people's voices being heard. We have to make it easier for one person. And they're finding these little ways to make that um, to make that the case. It's it's just really hard to see that every every two seconds we're seeing another way that the ability for black people to be heard is being made more difficult. Oh, definitely. And I mean, we all know that the Voting Rights Act outlawed many discriminatory voting practices in, I believe it was 1965 that it got passed, mm -hmm. but it outlawed such things like literacy text, tests, excuse me, and uh, poll taxes. But the act was passed so that way black votes could become just as impactful as white votes. But keeping the map the way it is, I mean, that's just a huge step backward for democracy, especially because we are seeing so many instances of civil unrest that are unfortunately still a common sight in our society. And you definitely think that, you know, we as a nation would be able to become more progressive when it comes to that and allow more impactful votes to be heard, especially since we have a primary election right around the corner. And look, I know that it's not necessarily as important as, say, a federal election would be. But I mean, this is definitely something I have a firm belief on as well, that these primary election, these state elections are just as important as a federal election, because you got to take into account that our handpicked senators and representatives, they have, they're a direct influence on how district lines are going to be redrawn, which will have a direct correlation to how each district will vote in an election, whether that be federal or state. And I mean, from there, that's going to determine the particular candidate that a state's electoral votes will go to, regardless of whether that may be for a Democrat or Republican. So it's definitely an interesting rabbit hole, so to speak, that not a lot of people take into account today. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I wonder, like, how far this will go. I feel like all our stories <laughs> today, what we keep saying is, like, you know. We'll have to wait that, and see. Yeah, we have to wait and see the impact because I'm sure that there will be one. But it might be kind of hard to say at this point, um, especially because this isn't necessarily a sure thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's mm -hmm. not really something that's set in stone at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have 
anything else to say about it, Courtney? Do you have any opinions on this? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, sorry, why did I call Priya. you Courtney? Priya. <laughs> That's okay. I guess I could look like a Courtney. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yes. Um, same thing as that you, but you guys have been saying, I guess it's, we're just going to have to wait and see. It's, I feel like everything's just like a waiting game, you know? Wait to see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's really, you can only do so much, at least at this point in time. I mean, I mean, we can give our, our opinions on all that. I mean, that's exactly what the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call <laughs> is for, after all. Talking about Long Island life, national news, and international issues, at least from our perspectives as college students. But, I mean, even that, you can only do so much with. Yeah. But indeed, sure. we will have to wait and see. So, Seville, Priya, do you have any uh, final thoughts that you'd like to chip in before our time runs out? Um, I don't think I have any. I mean, I hope all our listeners have a great day. I hope you enjoyed the show. And I think that's it, Priya. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope everyone does has a good week in school. Because <laughs> it is only <laughs> week two. I'd say start off strong. And if you're interested, Euphoria is on on Sunday. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can always watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, good. I'm really going to have to tattoo that to my forehead <laughs> just to make sure that I know I need to check out Euphoria. You got to know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you have no idea how long that I've been looking for a TV show to binge. This is you the have one. no idea this how long one. it's been. It's totally going <laughs> to win. I think this might be the one. <laughs> it's going to win so many awards. You got you to gotta know about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, spreading the word, it's very vital for sure. So anyway, with that being said, that's going to about do it for today's edition of the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And, I mean, if you're looking for more of the program, well, no need to worry. We are on every weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. So definitely tune in. You for sure won't want to miss that. Of course, me and Sabil will be back next week. But be sure to tune in tomorrow. It's going to be another great show. I know that for a fact. And once again, this has been the Hostel Morning Wake Up Call, only here on 88.7 FM WRHU.